0: In this week's Parsha and kisei were commanded regarding a mitzvah for which long life is the reward. The mitzvah of Shiloh Haken, Shalech Tishalach Esa'im, sending away the mother bird from a nest before taking the young, whether very young chicks or eggs, the reward, so that it is, will be good for you and you will have long life. Another example of a mitzvah that has the reward of long life is the mitzvah of honoring one's parents. When is this reward actually bestowed upon men? Is it in the lifetime of a person or is it a reward of the world to come? We find, and the Rebbe will begin the Sikha, with a Mishnah where there is a seeming contradiction regarding this very question Is the reward in this world or only in the next? In the conclusion of Mesech's Chulin, the Gemara says, It was taught in the yeshiva of Rabbi Yaakov. There is no mitzvah in the Torah where the reward isn't actually dependent. On, in other words, will be awarded only at the time of Tchias Hamesim. In the mitzvah of Kibud Avaim, the Torah records a reward, so that you experience long days and it will be good for you. In the mitzvah of Shiloh Haken, the Torah states so that it should be good for you and so that you experience long life. Rabbi Yaakov touch, teaches that the reward is awarded only in the world to come. And he, this is based upon a story of a father who sent his son up to the bira to a high hill, requesting that his son retrieve the chicks from a nest. When the son had chased away the mother bird and retrieved the chicks, and was returning to his father, he fell and died. This story forces the question, where is the reward of long life and good things for the mitzvah of shiluah haken, which seemingly was just performed? Here Rabbi Yaakov teaches that the long life reward is in the world of eternal life, and a life of goodness is in the time of eternal or constant goodness after the resurrection. The Gemara questions this conclusion and asks perhaps indeed reward is given in this world and the ensuing discussion in the Gemara is that Rabbi Yaakov actually experienced this very incident and hence the obvious conclusion there are no rewards for mitzvahs in this world only after the resurrection in Olam Haba in the world to come. But Rabbi Yaakov's conclusion seems to contradict a Mishnah that precedes this one, which says, "Ma I mitzvah kala iser? If a really easy mitzvah, like shilua haken, that costs no more than an isar, a small denomination, which is the price of the bird, has the reward of things will be good for you and long life, Kal how much greater then is the reward for difficult mitzvahs. The Mishnah gives no indication that we're talking about reward in the world to come. And so the yitav l'ach Yomim is understood to mean in the, this world, in Olam hazeh. In fact, this is the very statement we make daily in davening, sourced in a Mishnah Meseches Peah. These are the mitzvahs for which man reaps the rewards in this world and savors the eternality of his deed in the next, honoring one's parents, bestowing kindness upon others, bringing peace between friends. Clearly, this Mishnah outright tells us that there is reward in Olam Haze. Why then does Rabbi Yaakov contradict this in his teaching? On the other hand, we find that the Rambam, like Rabbi Yaakov, determines that ultimate goodness, reserved for tzaddikim, a life in the world to come, uninterrupted life and goodness that is not disrupted by evil, is sourced in these words, Lamani Tavlah v'aracht in Torah. Lamani Tavlach sounds like we are talking about a world that is only good, and harachta yomim, a world, a time that is forever. The Rambam then continues in the next chapter, elaborating on this, and says, the reward for mitzvahs and following in Hashem's path is, as it's written in Torah, Laman Tavlach Varachta yomim, referring to Olam Haba, an eternal life. Why does the Rambam determine, as Rabbi Yaakov determines, and not like the Mishnas in which and which is just before Rabbi Yaakov's teaching, and in Paya, which we say daily in our davening, as we just mentioned? The question gets stronger yet. The Rambam continues and explains, Now that we know that reward is in the world to come, how do we understand all the assurances in Torah If you hearken to Hashem's voice, do His will, good things will occur, and if not, then the opposite will occur. These are all things that will take place in Olam Hazah, in this world, like abundance, or God forbid, hunger, or war versus peace our nation living as a sovereign nation, or God forbid, in servitude to another nation, or sovereignty in our own land, or God forbid, exile, success, or loss. All of these are mentioned in Torah as a covenant between the Jew and God, if you do as I ask, or if you don't. These are all truths that have come to pass. And as long as we live fulfilling Hashem's will, these good things are bestowed upon us. And when not, God forbid, the negative occurs. Yet, these are not the end-all and be-all of our reward for mitzvahs. And God forbid, the negative that happens isn't the ultimate consequence either. Torah serves as a tree of life for those who follow it, learn it, and keep it. And according to their level of observance, or Torah study, reward, indeed, will be received in the world to come. But beyond this and relevant to the world, if one fulfills, if one fulfills Torah and mitzvahs with joy and a great spirit, with real devotion, Hashem promises to remove disruptions and obstacles that may impede the service of God, like illness or war or hunger, making our service of God easier in this way so that we aren't involved in the daily struggle of physical living, thus allowing us to focus on our study of Torah and performance of mitzvahs for the ultimate reward in Eilam Haba. Once we have this explanation and elaboration of the Rambam, that Hashem does all these things for us so that we can continue learning uninterrupted, we wonder why he doesn't include the promise of good things and long life in the equation. Why is the Rishas considered separate from all these other benefits that help us to do Hashem's will in this world? Why does the Rambam consider this promise differently? The Maharsha explains this as follows. When Rabbi Yaakov said that there are no rewards in this world, he's referring to the individual. So collectively, if as a group, we live with Torah and mitzvahs, the good we do, brings us abundant food, money, etc., all that we are promised in Torah, but not as individuals. As individuals, reward is only in the world to come. While this may be an explanation on the words of Rabbi Yaakov, we absolutely don't find that the Rambam distinguishes between the collective benefit of Torah study and Mitzvah performance, of the community and reward of the individual as the reward in the world to come. Finally, there is one more question on the Rambam. Why does the Rambam not address the pasuk that mentions the reward for lemanya rekhunyo or ulmanita yitavloch for kibud of aim at all? Rabbi Yaakov mentions both verses that speak of this reward, shiluah haken and kibbut avaim, but the Rambam only mentions the reward for shiluah haken in his discussion, even though the mitzvah and reward of kibbut avaim comes earlier in Torah, before the mitzvah of shiluah haken and its reward, which would usually be the primary example or source for the Rambam to use. To understand this, we must preface with the following question. Why, in fact, does Rabbi Yaakov bring proof for the fact that the reward for a mitzvah is only in the world to come, mentioning both instances, Kibod HaVa'em and Shilu HaChak'en, that either when the reward for Kibod HaVa'em is mentioned or when the reward for Shilu Haken is mentioned in Torah, Does it mean reward in this world? Would it not have sufficed with one instance in Torah? And we would have understood this for both. Of course, the particular story, the event that Rabbi Yaakov witnessed, the father requesting of his son to go up and retrieve the fledglings, incorporates both mitzvahs of honoring one's one's parent and sending away the mother bird. But this fact actually brings up only another question. Why, indeed, does the Gemara provide us with this much information and detail on the story? Had we just been told that the boy went to fulfill the mitzvah of Shiluach haken and died immediately after, we would have had anecdotal evidence that, as Rabbi Yaakov teaches, the reward is obviously not in this world. Looking at this from a completely different perspective, while the event Rabbi Yaakov saw did indeed include both mitzvahs, one could still ask how did this one story prove that the reward promised is only in the world to come? What if the boy who went had no intention of fulfilling these mitzvahs and that's why the promised reward wasn't awarded him? Now, the poskim say a mitzvah doesn't require intention. That's what we're talking about here. We're questioning if perhaps this was a matter of intention. So if one performed a mitzvah without intention, then the mitzvah is still considered fulfilled. But what if someone had an opposite intention? If he specifically intended to not fulfill the mitzvah, then the mitzvah is not considered fulfilled. What if that was the case here? Perhaps this boy thought, I don't want to do this. I hate that I have to do this. I don't want to do this for my parent. And in that possible scenario, this story serves as no proof at all for Rabbi Yaakov's determination that reward is only l'asid lavai. Let's explore the Mishnah in Chulin mentioned earlier that takes a different position and precedes the Mishnah that teaches Rabbi Yaakov's opinion. In one of the final Mishnas in Meseches Chulin, we learn that ev- even for purposes of purification of a Mitzayra, in other words, the Kayan has declared the tsaraas cured and a bird must be ritually slaughtered, one may not take the mother bird with the offspring to use the mother bird for the carbon. And the Mishnah continues... And if for even such a mitzvah, which is so easily performed, as it entails no real financial loss, only one isar, the value of the mother bird, that the Torah states the reward that it may be good for you and may you will have long days, it is thus derived, says the Mishnah, by inferring that the reward is no less for the fulfillment of a mitzvah whose performance is very demanding. is a question on this Mishnah, and of course the question is, why does the Mishnah bring these two issues together in this one Mishnah? The halacha regarding the mitzvah of shiluach haken that one cannot take the mother bird and the chicks even for the purpose of purifying a mitzvah. and the information about how great is reward for mitzvahs when for an easy mitzvah there's such a great reward. Now, we can't suggest that the Gemara adds this seemingly unconnected piece about reward to the halacha only because it's preferable to end on a positive. And the discussion of the mitzvah has a negative association, and therefore the Mishnah brings in the positive aspect of reward. We can't say that because if that was the case, the two didn't have to be brought in one Mishnah. There could have been the Mishnah about the din of Shilu HaKen, that one cannot take the mother bird and the chicks to use to slaughter the mother bird from it, and a separate Mishnah about the reward. And still, the Mishnah would not have finished on a negative. Particularly when we read the Mishnah, it quite clearly connects these two things. The din of shiluah haken, read the mitzvah, and the reward, and these are connected with a vav maisif a vav that specifically adds this detail of reward to the halacha. There's another issue here that requires clarification. According to this mishnah, we learn a clear kal an inferred lesson from the easy mitzvah of shiluach haken to all other more difficult mitzvahs. Why then does the Torah tell us that the mitzvah of kibud Avaim, one of the hardest and most difficult mitzvahs to perform, has the reward of long life? It can be inferred from the mitzvah of Shilu which is an easy mitzvah. Why does the Torah specifically tell us about this reward when the Torah tells us about the mitzvah of kibud aim? To get more clarity on this, we need to understand the overall theme and idea of aim al-banim one cannot take the mother bird and the fledglings even to purify the Mitzayra, as the Mishnah teaches here. This din is taken from the mitzvah, and it's unique Lushan terminology in Torah, in our Parsha, Shaleich Tishalach Eshaim. Shaleich means send. Tishalach means send. Why is there repetition in the wording? Send, send away the mother bird. The first Shaleach tells us that for one's own personal use, one may not take the mother bird. It must be sent to fly away. The second Tishalach tells us that even for a mitzvah, the mother bird and the young may not be taken together. So the prohibition of not taking the mother bird together with her fledglings is one aspect of the mitzvah, a negative commandment. There's also a positive part to the mitzvah, and that is what you should do, send away the mother bird. So the prohibition of not taking the mother bird together with her fledglings is one aspect of the mitzvah, a negative commandment, there's also a positive part to the mitzvah, and that is what you should do, send away the mother bird. In this Mishnah we learn that one may not take the mother bird and her young, the mother bird must be sent away. The Gemara then explains that this is a situation where the person took the fledglings with the intention of sending away the mother bird. So the intention of sending away the mother bird means that the individual did not transgress the aspect of the mitzvah, which is to not take the young together with the mother bird. The aspect of the mitzvah to send the mother bird away, which he has not actually done, in other words, the positive aspect of the mitzvah Vies in this situation with another very important mitzvah. That is the harmony, the shalom, between a husband and wife. And we know that for shalom, Hashem was even prepared for his name to be erased, as happens in the event of the Isha Seita. What is the shalom that we're referring to? A mitzayra cannot be intimate with his wife until he is released from his state, which happens only after the carbon is brought. So, if the intimacy between husband and wife is so important, it's a positive commandment that a husband see to his wife's conjugal needs, perhaps that positive mitzvah will override the positive mitzvah to send away the mother bird. Hence, the Gemara teaches that shalech tishalach tells us that in fact, no other mitzvah overrides this positive commandment to send away the mother bird. While these words, in no circumstance, can one override this mitzvah for another, are direct and clear teaching from the Pasuk, there's a tam, there's a reason, that sits behind this teaching. The Mishnah in Brachas teaches, HaOymer al Tsipar Yagirach HaMecha Vechulu Mishat if a person during his prayer says, Hashem, have Rahmanis upon us as you have Rahmanis over a bird's nest, Mishat I say he's silenced, which tells us that indeed, this mitzvah of Shiluah Haken is a self-understood situation of mercy and compassion for the mother bird. Yet, we aren't allowed to declare or suggest that this alone is the reason that we chase away the mother bird. It's an aspect of the mitzvah, suggesting that this is the reason that Hashem is feeling merciful towards the mother bird, turns the mitzvah into something that we as humans can understand, and removes the real element of a mitzvah, which is that it is Hashem's will and Hashem's decree. As we find in many sforum, that many like the Ramban and the Maharal, indeed refer to the Rachamim involved in sending away the mother bird. So, rachamim is an aspect of the mitzvah. Well, ensuring that a mitzvah who has been healed can once again be intimate with his wife is also an act of rachamim, of compassion. One which is clearly so dear to Hashem that he allows his holy name to be erased. So when these two mitzvahs, the mitzvah to help a person who requires rachamim, and the mitzvah to be compassionate for the mother bird, Surely, Halacha states that we should have come together. Surely, Halacha states we should have compassion for a person over an animal. In fact, the very laws of Tzar B'Alechayim being compassionate to the pain of an animal would be a lesson as to how compassionate we must be to a person's pain and that the person's pain should come before the animal's pain. There's a clear Halacha in the Altar Rebbe that we're compassionate first to a human over an animal. Particularly if you take into consideration that once one has helped the individual who is separated from his wife because of the situation with Saraz to reunite, one can yet fulfill the mitzvah of shiluah haken afterwards. Despite all these calculations, the din is that shiluah haken must be fulfilled first. The reason for this can be taken from the lesson in Gemara regarding the mitzvah Of Azaiv tazev imay, if you see a donkey who is struggling struggling under his load, you must assist. The actual halachas in regards to helping load a donkey and offload a donkey says the Gemara: If your friend's donkey is struggling under his load, and you have the mitzvah to help offload the animal, but your enemy's donkey is, or your enemy at the same time is trying to load his donkey, you have to help your enemy first. And the reason for this is to bend your Yetzir, to train yourself to overcome your negative inclination, which would, of course, lean towards helping the person that you like. In fact, even in a situation when the person you dislike, the guy whose donkey needs loading, is hated by you because the Torah says to hate him, Nevertheless, in order so that you stretch yourself and grow in the experience and mold the Yetzir to do as is needed, you help your enemy first. The situation here is the same. It's a personal stretch to first fulfill the mitzvah of shilua haken over helping an individual one would naturally help. And the lesson in this mitzvah is the same. This mitzvah of haken clearly has the aspect of compassion. A person naturally wants to be compassionate, which makes this mitzvah, which is already not a costly one, a relatively simple one. And yet, the reward is (laughs) l'man yitavlach v'arachta yomim that it will be good for you and you will have long days. Certainly then the reward for more difficult mitzvahs, mitzvahs which we have no natural affinity for, are rewarded with good and long days. The fact is, the din tells us that we cannot first have mercy on the mitzvah, which forces us to understand that mitzvah shiluah haken isn't like a mitzvah between man and his fellow. That it's with compassion for the bird or compassion for a person. No, in a mitzvah between man and his fellow man, the intention, one's intention, isn't important. It's the action that is important. The compassion we feel doesn't play a role. If it did, we would do the mitzvah for the mitzvah first. But the mitzvah of shiluah haken isn't a mitzvah ben odom It's between man and God. So we do the mitzvah, send away the mother bird, even if a mitzvah needs the birds for a carbon. And this helps us understand why the Mishnah tells us the reward after discussing the din of the mitzvah. This reward for Shiluah haken isn't the same kind of reward that is recorded in Mesech Peah that we say in our davening, a reward that man reaps the fruit of in this world and the eternal light of the mitzvah. The reward is in the world to come. The mitzvahs in that Mishnah and Peah are all about being Adam l'chaveri. If a person did a mitzvah and his fellow benefited from it in this world, then he will receive reward in this world. The mitzvah of Shilua Haken is about the action, not the result. It's a mitzvah between man and God, and that reward is unique to the mitzvah and is a reward in the world to come. And it's not related to the reward of honoring one's parents. Honoring one's parents is rewarded in this world because it's a mitzvah between a person and his fellow. When Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov brings proof that there's no reward in the world from the event of the boy who died after fulfilling the two mitzvahs, Shiloh, haken and Kibudov, the proof is specifically based on the Kibudov aspect because that's a mitzvah which should be rewarded in this world. The son died instead of be seemingly being rewarded. The mitzvah of shiloh haken isn't proof enough that there is no earthly reward when he died because it's possible that the son had an opposite intention in doing that mitzvah. He did not intend to do it for Hashem's sake, and that would count in this mitzvah between man and God. Ultimately, if the son had brought the fledglings to his father, he would have fulfilled the mitzvah of kibbut of, even if he didn't have the right intention, because it's the action that was important. The Sifri, in our Parsha, in chapter 24, on verse 19, teaches that if a person loses a coin, and it's found by a poor person who uses it to sustain himself, it is considered a merit for the person who lost the coin and had no intention of giving staka, how much more so the merit of the individual who intended to give staka. Fact is, when a person loses money, not only wasn't he thinking about giving charity, he's actually upset by the loss. Yet, he has fulfilled a mitzvah because the point of the mitzvah that the poor man receives his needs is accomplished. Kibud Av, aim is the same. Intention doesn't count, only outcome. The father wanted the chicks. As long as the son brings them, no matter his intention, it's done. Hence, if... The son fell and died while fulfilling the mitzvah of of aim. even if his intentions were not to fulfill the mitzvah. This becomes central proof that the reward for a mitzvah is in the world to come, and there is no reward in this world. This then also becomes proof that this is so not only with a reward for mitzvahs between a person and God, but also between man and his fellow man. The reward of goodness and long life comes in a time of eternal goodness and eternal life. Now, when we look at the Rambam's determination, we could say that he does rule like the Mishnah and the Chulon and the Mishnah and Peah, regarding mitzvahs, reward for those mitzvahs are given in this world. But with the other mitzvahs, the Rambam, Rambam says, it will be, there in a world that is all good, and long days in a world of eternal days. And therefore, the Rambam doesn't bring the verse that tells us the reward of kibud of Aim, which comes earlier, as we said in Torah, because it's between man and his fellow men, for which the Rambam agrees, reward is in Oilam Hazah. The Rambam's opinion about reward for mitzvahs in this world isn't a contradiction to the opinion he has about the goodness that man reaps in in the world to come if he follows in Hashem's path as Torah prescribes it. So the Rambam and the Mishnah agree that there is no reward for mitzvahs in this world because, because even this goodness isn't the essential reward. That is only in the world to come. Where they differ is only regarding Pirusei, him. the fruits of the reward, not the essence, but the produce, so to speak, of that essential reward. In this regard, according to the Mishnah and the Rambam, the fruits of the reward for mitzvahs ben adam are in this world. The Altar Rebbe II teaches this same idea in the Geras HaKodesh, in the Hasidic vernacular, this is what it means when Chazal teach, There's no reward for mitzvah in this world, because in this physical and limited world, It's impossible for a ray of the Ain light to become fully enclosed within it. Yet, for acts of charity and kindness, for which man consumes, so to speak, the fruits, the reward in this world, perforations open up for light to shine through, and abundance from the sphere of chesed becomes diffused in this world, and one can experience the reward of longevity in Olam haze According to Rabbi Yaakov, however, Even for these mitzvahs, there's no reward at all in this world. Now, this is all about reward for performance of mitzvahs. But we mentioned earlier that there are things that we are awarded in this world that are here to help us facilitate living in this world without distraction so that we can more easily fulfill Hashem's mitzvahs. These are the things that we are destined by Torah to receive. An example for this is a master and a slave. The master must take care of the slave's needs so that the slave can serve him properly. And if the slave wants to do an even better job serving his master, the master increases what he gives the servant, again, to better facilitate his service. Now, that isn't reward for work. It's all to facilitate the slave's ability to serve. It's the same for us. Hashem gave us a Torah. It's a tree of life for all who hold fast to it. And Hashem assured us in this Torah that if we fulfill its precepts with joy and in good spirits and we consistently practice its wisdom, He will remove the obstacles that present us from keeping the Torah, like illness or war, hunger or other impediments, that He will pour good, good things upon us so that we are free to learn and to observe the mitzvahs. Of course, the opposite too would be true. These things are not some sort of supplement or side issue to our service of God. They're a necessity without which we cannot perform. And it's equal regarding all mitzvahs, for all observance requires this. This then, and therein, lies the actual difference between the reward for a mitzvah The things promised in Torah that will help us facilitate our lives as Jews, as the Rambam says, like abundance or peace, sovereignty, things we need to live as Jews. Reward is different. Reward has no real connection to the action. Reward is beyond and greater than the action. Now we can apply this to the event that Rabbi Yaakov witnessed. The death of the boy isn't a contradiction to the physical good we receive promised in Torah. While a Jew lives and fulfills his obligation to study Torah and fulfill mitzvahs, Hashem has to, so to speak, give him what he needs to do so. But when his determined number of days in a life of Torah conclude, these physical needs, the need for more days, ends So when Nafal Vameis, when the boy fell and died, it doesn't negate the assurances in Torah that Hashem will provide good things because His time of divine service in this world is up. But what Nafal Vameis does prove is that reward, a separate result of a mitzvah, does not come in this world in Eidam hazeh. and so Rabbi Yaakov teaches that reward does not come in this world for any mitzvahs and the Rambam for mitzvahs between man and God. There is an interesting idea alluded to here in this Mishnah. The Tractate of Chulin, Hulin translates to mean unconsecrated, is in the Seder of Kodesh, which translates to mean consecrated or holy. This teaches us the lesson that even the mundane of a Jew must be holy. This is alluded to in the way the Masechta begins and ends. The Masechta begins with the words, Hakol all is fit for slaughter. Often the entire Masechta in this case is referred to as the slaughter of the unholy animal or of the non-consecrated animals. The idea of slaughter is, as the Gemara states, Slaughter means nothing but drawing, as in drawing the knife across the throat of the animal, which helps us understand on a deeper level the idea of shechita. Of course, there's a question, how can one slaughter an animal when causing pain to a living creature is a prohibition, and according to several sources, actually a prohibition in Torah. But if the idea of of slaughter, is umoshach, to draw, as in to draw something from one domain to another, from a lower to a higher domain, that makes shechita permissible. When shechita takes place, the animal is in the domain of chai. It's drawn then into the domain of the flesh and blood of a medaber. Yet this alone isn't sufficient. The chai must become part of not just the medabah in flesh and blood, but part of the adam, the aspect of a Jew, as Chita applies only to Jews, that is adam Elyon, likened to God, which takes us to the end of the masechta, when a Jew fulfills the command because God commanded it, not because he's merciful and gets it. When he fulfills a mitzvah and changes his base nature He achieves v'shochat u'moshach, drawing from one domain to a higher, his nefesh abamis, his animal soul. So that his unconsecrated self is elevated and consecrated to holiness, to the state of atem Kruyan adam, you are called man, likened to God, transforming the animal soul into becoming part of the divine soul. Through men, the mundanity of the world becomes absorbed in the holiness of a Jewish soul. So the conclusion of the Masechah is that in the state of so that it will be good for you, which transpires in the world of only good. So that you shall live long days, which transpires in a world of eternity is when a Jew is bound up in a very revealed way with God, when even his body and animal soul are nourished by pure godliness. Now since, kulam tzaddikim, yours is a nation of righteousness, and every Jew is replete with mitzvahs as, like a pomegranate, particularly now in the month of Elul, when every Jew does his utmost in the service of Elul, in the three specific areas of Torah, Tefillah, and G'milas represented by the three Rashi Teves of Elul, in the verses, referring to Torah studies specifically, I am to my beloved and my beloved to me, man's service in Elul, extending oneself to to others in kindness, God fulfills his promise and gives each individual in addition to the physical assurances of satisfaction and plenty, peace and abundant wealth, so they can do their task in this world to study the wisdom of Torah and observe the mitzvahs, the reward of the mitzvah whose transcendent light is li'olam haba. But he eats the produce in this world granting every Jew long life and good years, literally, in this physical world. And every Jew will be blessed, the Rebbe concludes, with a ksiva v'chassimoteva for a good, sweet new year in a revealed and clear way in this very physical domain.